Well, uh, the book of Ecclesiastes, you know, yesterday I was talking to Anita, and she said, I, I said, you know, Ecclesiastes is making me think about my life. You know, the more we go through this book, I've just been reflecting up on my life and my mortality and, and everything, um, uh, you know, around purpose and meaning. And she looked at me and said, well, Brent, isn't that the point? And certainly it is the point of this book to get you to sort of stop and think about why you're here. Because the, the author of this book, he kind of thinks that most of us ratchet around in life, uh, busy with work and play and all sorts of other things, that we never stop and think about why, why, why am I here? What is the point of it all? What's the purpose of this life? He wants to clear the fog and he wants us to reflect on uh, the meaning of our lives. And, and I think this passage in uh, Ecclesiastes 11 does that um, probably more than any other passage in the book. Because in, this, in this, this verse, he talks about getting old. Talks about getting old. And uh, yesterday at the harvest party, I was talking to Brad Cummings. Are you here, Brad? There you are. Well, I, I was talking to Brad, and I was reminded once again that, that Brad and I are the same age. And I'm not going to tell you what age that is, but I will say that we both look incredibly good for our age. Um, but we were talking about our age and how quickly it, David, don't look at me like that. I was talking about how, you know, how quickly it goes and how it's amazing that, that we, we got here. You know, it seemed like yesterday we were teenagers, you know, and, and then it seemed like yesterday that we were just having kids and suddenly here we are at the age that we are, which I'm not going to tell you, thinking, where did it all go? And I brought up this song, uh, a song that was written in 1975 by Queen, the Bohemian Rhapsody. Anybody know that song, like that song? That song is 43 years old this year. 43 years old. How did that happen? It goes so quickly. It's like lightning. And when you reach, you know, my age, you start having sort of a midlife crisis, don't you? Uh, you start thinking about like, okay, this is how quickly it happened, and I only have these many years left. What am I going to do? What have I done already? Where, what am I going to do with the years that I have left? Am I living my life well? And in our culture, it's, it's, it's especially difficult uh, to get old, isn't it? Uh, the cult of youth is one of the reigning idolatries of our time, right? And those of us who are experiencing the effects of aging know all too well the pressure our culture puts on us to stay looking young. And you may have noticed uh, Madonna. You know, Madonna now is 63, uh, I think, years old. And uh, she's got a, her, her latest video. It, it's, it's sort of sad because she's, you know, she's dressed uh, in scantily clad, a scantily clad outfit, and she's gyrating around with these boys that are about a third of her age. And you just think like, man, she is trying to relive the past. But, but maybe it's not just her. Maybe it's the culture we live in puts pressure on us to stay young, to drink from the fountain of youth. But here's what the author of Ecclesiastes wants to do in this passage. He wants us to be very realistic about the brevity of our youth. He wants us to know that we will not be young forever. I know you young guys here. You're looking at your six-pack thinking, I'm going to always look like this. You won't. You won't look like that forever. And the author of Ecclesiastes wants us to know that. And, and, he, and he, therefore, he wants us to live the time that we have left well. 
He wants us to take our, the aging process seriously, and he wants us to be intentional about how we spend our younger years. And this passage is applicable not only, it's applicable especially if you're young here today. Um, but, but what is young? You know, I still think of myself as young. And all of us have a little youth left in us. And the book of Ecclesiastes wants us to use, use the youth that we have left well. How do we do that? It's sort of like a Psalm 90 um, where Moses says, Lord, teach us to number our days. Help us to realize that how few uh, of them there are left and help us to live those days well. But how do we do that? That's what the, this, this passage is going to do. Now, as, as we get into it, um, if you look at chapter 11 uh, through chapter 12, there's this section that is just, um, man, it's one of the most beautiful uh, memorable, poetic passages in all of this book, Ecclesiastes, but it's also the most terrible, I think. It's a beautiful, terrible passage, and it's about the aging process. And so check out what he says here. This is uh, chapter 12, um, verse 2. He says, before the sun, he begins by saying, I have no pleasure in them, which is my days. He's talking about old age here. And he says, before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened, and the clouds return to their rain. So he's talking about the aging process, and he talks about the sun and the moon and the stars going dark. What is he talking about there? He's talking about mental clarity. He's saying this is what happens when you get old. You're not as sharp as you used to be. You know, and you start taking ginkgo, you know, and you're walking around thinking, where is my phone uh, you know, where, where are my keys? What is my wife's name again? <laughs> right? You know, you, this is what happens. You get old. You're, you're not as sharp anymore. The clouds return after the rain, he says in very evocative language. And then in verse 3, he says, And in the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent. He's talking about your limbs here. Right? The, the keepers of the house tremble. You know, your, your, your hands begin to tremble. And then your, the, the legs are bent. And you start to walk around, you know, a little bit slower uh, than you used to. And I was talking to Danny James this morning, who just had back surgery. And he said, Brent, you never appreciate your back when you're young, until it goes out, right? And then you realize how, how desperately you need the, that spinal cord and those limbs and those legs, which he says here, in old age, become a little bit more stiff than they used to be, a little bit more bent. And then he goes on, and he says, the grinders cease because they are few. What's he talking about there? Your teeth are falling out. One by one, they're falling out. And you're, you're wearing dentures. The grinders, they don't work as well as they used to, used to and they're, they're actually beginning to fall out. And then he goes on and he says, the, and the windows are dimmed. What is he talking about there? The windows going dim? Eyesight is going bad, and the doors on the street are shut, and the sound of the grinding is low, and one rises up at the sound of a bird. He's talking about how difficult it is to sleep when you get older. And all the daughters of song are brought low, and they're afraid also of what is high, and the terrors are in, that are in the way. And the almond tree blossoming and the grasshopper drags itself along. He's talking about when, when you get old, life seems to just go a little bit too fast. Right? And you're kind of afraid 
Uh, the things that you used to do with ease, now you're afraid to go out into the street, you know, and traffic seems to be going so fast, and you're driving in the slow lane, and, and he's talking here about the aging process, the inexorable aging process. It's coming, he says. And no amount of plastic surgery or tummy tucks is going to stop that process. It reminds me of the passage in the Bible where it says, from dust you came and to dust you, sh you shall return. He's talking about decreation, right, where you slowly begin to wind down. He says, old age is coming. And therefore, he says, here's what, he's an old, he, he's an old man here. This is Solomon, and he's, he's old, and he's, he's giving advice to a younger person. And he's saying, listen, it happened so fast, so here's what I want you to do. Take advantage of your youth. Live well with your days. Don't waste your life. Take advantage of your younger years. But again, someone might ask, well, how do we do that? Well, I think here in the passage, he gives us three imperatives. He gives us three things we can do to make sure that we're not squandering our youth. Okay, three things we can do to help to make sure that we are are are. are living our days and our hours well, okay? And the first imperative, he says, in verse 7 and 8, he says, I want you to rejoice. Here's the first point if you're taking notes. Uh, he says, I want you to rejoice responsibly. How do you make sure you don't waste those years? He says, number one, rejoice responsibly. And so verse 7, chapter 11, he says, Light is sweet, and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. But let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth. Let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart in the sight of your eyes. But know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. So he tells us, here's the first thing I want you to do. Take notes. Rejoice responsibly. In other words, he's saying, enjoy your youth as much as you can. He says, as you get older, your capacity to enjoy the good things in this life will diminish. He says, do you enjoy basketball? You won't always. Do you enjoy hunting? You won't always. Do you enjoy fishing? You won't always. He says, enjoy this life now. What, what are all the good things in your life? What are all the things that you enjoy? He says, enjoy them now while you still have the capacity to do that. What do you love to do? What are the things that you are able to do? Solomon says here, with the youth that you have left, enjoy those things for as long as you possibly can. Now, I love this because, you know, a lot of us think that God is, is sort of a cosmic killjoy. <coughs> Excuse me. It's like God is up there wanting to squash all of our pleasure and, you know, say no to all the good things of this life. You know, be holy and miserable. Uh, you know, we almost picture God that way. But here, this is a command in the Bible. He says, enjoy your life while you can. In the, in the New Testament, Paul says God has given us all things in this life, richly to enjoy. 
And here Solomon is saying, drink it all in. What do you love to do? Do it now. Enjoy it while you can. When I was younger, uh, I became a Christian at 18, and I, I thought that God wanted me to be holy and miserable. That was sort of my attitude. And so there was a period in my life where I stopped surfing. I stopped going in the sun. I, I doubled my efforts to read my Bible. I was up early, early in the morning. And there's a picture of me at that time period, and I was gaunt and pale. But by God, I was holy. <laughs> and listen, listen to what the Bible says. God, God has given you the capacity to enjoy this life. And this is a theme all the way through Ecclesiastes. It says, life is short, enjoy it while you can. Seize the day, suck all the marrow out of this life. I love this. Uh, Scott Souls, who's a pastor in Nashville, uh, he, he put it this way. This quote is going to come up on the screen. He says, the loudest tables at restaurants should be populated by Christians. The biggest tips that servers receive should be from Christians. The most yelling at football games and concerts should be from Christians. Those who are most drawn in by stories told well in film and literature should be Christians. The most erotic sex in the world should happen in Christian marriage beds. The most playful generosity, the most vigor in work should be from Christians because the human soul is a pleasure center. And Solomon says God has given you this one beautiful life and he's given you the capacity to enjoy this life so enjoy as much of it for as long as you can and i think it would make solomon sad to see so many of us tied to our iphones and worried about the future and busy 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 so busy in life that we never stop to enjoy it He says, enjoy this life while you can. Because it isn't going to last forever. But notice what he says at the end here. He says, I want you to enjoy this life, but do it responsibly. So he says, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. It almost looks like he says, enjoy this life, and then he takes it back. <laughs> but what he's saying here is he says, I want you to connect your joy to morality. You know, enjoy this life, but do it rightly. Enjoy this life, but do it within the bounds that God has set. In other words, enjoy this life, but don't break God's commandments while you're doing it. Right? So we went um, to the harvest party yesterday, and um, there were rules at the harvest party. Um, one of them was you had to wear a helmet on the horse that we put the kids on. Another one was you had to be a certain age. And my kids were so upset. Of, my one kid really was screaming, upset at the rules. But listen, those rules were not meant to squash their enjoy, enjoyment of the harvest party. It, they were meant to maximize the enjoyment. So Solomon says, in the youth that you have left, enjoy this life. Do it within the bounds. Do it responsibly. Don't break God's commandments while you're doing it. But don't miss the joy. Don't miss the joy. Because your capacity to enjoy this life will not last forever. That's point one. Second of all, he says, here's another thing to do. He says, remove vexation. And so here's the second imperative in verse 10. He says, remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body 
for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. What does it mean to remove vexation? Well, he might be saying, um, you only live once, so don't spend your, your one life being worried all the time, vexed all the time. Uh, he might be saying that, but, but I think he means something more like this. Um, you only have this one life. So make sure and deal with your junk while you're young. Okay, so the word vexation has to do with uh, mental and emotional pain. Uh, the, the author of this book uses it all the way through the letter. He talks about sorrow and grieving and suffering. And Solomon says, you only have this one life, so remove vexation as early as you can. And then he says, put away pain from your body. This talks about physical suffering. And uh, one translation says, the evil from your body. And Solomon, it's almost like he's saying, listen, there, there, are, there are things about you. There are choices that, that you are making every day that are making you very vexed, that are bringing pain into your life. Remove that stuff early. In other words, he's saying, deal with your junk now. Deal with your junk now. Because the older you get, the harder it is to get rid of it. The older you get, the more costly your junk becomes. And so, for example, let's say you're young and you've got an anger problem. You know, and you're, you, just, you explode all the time. And let's say you say, you know what, I'll deal with that later. I'll deal with that anger, anger, anger problem later. Well, listen, it, it only gets more costly later when you get kids and a family that could be affected by that anger. Or let's say you've got a tendency to medicate yourself with drugs and alcohol. You know, this is a, that's your go-to. That's where you run to when things get hard. He says, you deal with that now because that addiction is only going to get worse. Deal with your junk now because the junk only gets harder to deal with later. And so many of us, what we do is we put off these things in life. You know, we're so busy, right? And I've, I've got I've to make money and I need to, you know... Um, be, be, do, do well at work, and yet there are really important issues in your life. Things like anger, things like addiction, things like arrogance. And Solomon's advice is deal with that stuff now. Don't put it off until later. It only gets worse. If you let it go, it's going to grow. Uh, there was a Psychology Today article where um, th- uh, somebody wrote in and said, uh, Dear uh, counselor, I heard you last week give an advice to a mother to, to tell her, her child to, to, it's okay to throw the furniture, <laughs> to kick the furniture. Just to let it out, you know, boys will be boys. You told the, the little child just to let it go. She says, well, my, my, my mom let my brother, uh, you know, express his anger like that. And she says, he's still expressing that anger. He's still kicking the furniture. Now he's kicking the dog as well. His wife, his kids... He kicked a, a TV out of a second-story window. It was closed at the time, she said. In other words, if you let your vices go, they're going to grow. Foolishness, sin, vice, deal with it now before it gets worse. In the book of Proverbs, there's a place where uh, the author says, I drove by the fool's vineyard. I drove by the fool's vineyard, and he says, when I looked at his vineyard, it was all overgrown with weeds, and it, was, and it, and it looked awful, and it just was, it, was, it was going to pot. 
And it's because the fool didn't deal with the weeds early. He let it go. And gardens naturally go south. And your character naturally goes to foolishness, sin, and vice. And so Solomon's advice here is deal with that stuff now before it gets worse. Remove vexation while you're young. Because decisions you make in your younger years set a trajectory for your life. C.S. Lewis, he talks about heaven and hell at one point. And he says a lot of people think that heaven and hell are just destinations that people go to when they die. He says, actually, you're choosing heaven or hell now. You're choosing to either be a a heavenly person or a hellish person now with every choice that you make. And so he says, every time you make a choice, you are turning the central part of you, the part of you that chooses, into something a little different than what it was before. And taking your life as a whole, with all your innumerable choices, all your life long, you are slowly turning the central thing into a heavenly creature or into a hellish hellish creature. And so he says, start working on those choices now when you're young. It's only going to get worse. Uh, doctors might give you the same advice. If you, if you feel a pain um, in your side, you know, if you, uh, if you discover an anomaly in your body, you get that checked out now because it's only going to get worse. And Solomon is saying this is kind of similar in life. Deal with your junk. Make good decisions now. Uh, you think about your life, you know, almost kind of think about, you know, if, if you, you know, now that I'm 45, darn, I told you my age. I wasn't going to do that. Darn it, 45 years old. I look back at my 35-year-old self, and I think, what a fool that guy was. Why didn't I, ch- did, why those decisions I was making? And then I, when I was 35, I looked at my 25-year-old self. I thought, what a fool that guy was. And at 25, I looked at my 15-year-old self and thought, what a fool that guy was. You know what that means? It means you're always a fool. (laughs) There's always things in your life, whether you're 25 or 55 or 65, that you need to work on. And Solomon says, if you can step out of your life a little bit and get some perspective and start giving yourself advice, invite other people into your life to give you advice, and start making those changes now. Okay, so remove vexation while you're young. Number three, a third uh, imperative here, he says, remember your creator. So we've got uh, rejoice responsibly, remove vexation, and then finally, remember your creator. Verse 12, one, remember also your creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. So he says, when you're young is the time to remember your creator. Remember God. Pay attention to God. Don't ignore God. Don't neglect God. Don't neglect your creator. Why? Because you were created to have a relationship with him. You were made for him. As as, um, Augustine said, our hearts were made for God and they are restless until they find their rest in a relationship with him. You were made for God. And so don't, do not waste your life ignoring that vital relationship. Derek Kidner says, for our part, to remember him 
is no perfunctory or purely mental act. It is to drop our pretense of self-sufficiency and to commit ourselves to him. So the problem is, in our youth, we're so self-sufficient. And we can go weeks, even months, maybe even years, without one prayer to God. We kind of forget about him. And Solomon's saying, don't forget your creator. I know you're so busy, but always make space for a relationship with him. It's the most important thing in your life. You remember in the New Testament, Jesus, there's a parable he tells where a God, he says there's a master, a very wealthy man, who put on a banquet, and he invited everybody to come. And it's a picture of God. You know, God, he, you know, he sends Jesus into the world to make a way for you to have a relationship with him. And he invites everybody to come. Come and eat with me. Come and have a relationship with me. And when these people went out to invite uh, the, you know, the the population there in Israel, everybody had an excuse for why they couldn't come meet with their creator. Somebody says, oh, I'm, I'm in the middle of a business deal. And as soon as I get done with that, then I'll, t- then I'll pay attention to God. Then I'll go to that banquet. And somebody else says, oh, I just got married. You got to understand, I'm so busy. I don't, have, I don't have time to go to this banquet. And somebody else says, oh, I just sold a cow. This is a long time ago. I guess people did that. They sold cows back then. Whatever it was, people were too busy for their creator. There are many of us in this room that are just way too busy to spend time with the one for whom you were created. Solomon says, don't neglect your creator. It's so easy to do it in the days of your youth. You've got so much to do. You're so self-sufficient. I can do it. I can do it without God. And he says, oh, Here's some wisdom. Remember God in your youth. Don't forget him. Make church a priority. Make prayer a priority. Make space in your life to commune with God. Because here's the deal. God is always willing and wanting to have a relationship with you. So you might be here saying, well, what do I do if I have neglected my creator? What if I've squandered, what if I've made some really foolish decisions and I've put myself on a trajectory? What do I do now? And what Solomon says is today is the day of salvation. Come to your creator. He's always inviting you in. He's always saying, come. I'm still here. I've died for you. I've risen for you. Come and have a relationship with me. And the beautiful thing is, when we do come into a relationship with God, he's able to almost give us a brand new start. He's able to give us, he's almost able to turn back the clock. And so the Bible says, if anybody is in Christ, he is a what? He's a new, or she is a new creation. He can make everything new, even if you've wasted your whole life ignoring him. You could be born again. Uh, One scripture says that God can restore the years that the locust has eaten. You can be forgiven. Remember your creator. And the beautiful thing is is that when you've got to relate, when you remember your creator, when you are in relationship with him, although your body is getting older and older, your spirit is being renewed day by day. And so, for example, in 2 Corinthians 4.16, it says, So we don't lose heart. 
Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Right? And so on the outside, you may be getting older, but if you know Jesus, if you know your creator, on the inside, you could be going from glory to glory, renewed day by day. Uh, you remember that old movie, Picture of Dorian Gray? Anybody seen that one? And he made a pact with the devil um, to give him eternal youth, like Madonna, right? He wants to stay young forever. He makes a pact with the devil, and he looks beautiful. Uh, even, you know, he's years and years old. He looks beautiful. But there's a picture of him that is a picture of what's going on on the inside. And the picture of Dorian Gray is getting older and older and more twisted and decrepit. And it's a picture that even though he's beautiful on the outside, on the inside he's getting uglier and uglier and uglier. But for a Christian, somebody who knows God, although the outer person might be getting fat <laughs> and sagging, by God's spirit on the inside you could be renewed day by day. Isaiah 40 says, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary and they will walk and not grow faint. Remember your creator. Remember to hope in him. Remember to depend on him. Remember to commune with him. And as you do, the inner person gets younger and younger and younger until ultimately we live forever. Three things. Wisdom here. You're getting older. <laughs> yes, you are. What do you do to, to make sure that you number your days well? Well, number one, he says, rejoice responsibly. Number two, he says, remove vexation. Do it now. Get rid of the junk in your life now before it gets worse, harder to change. And number three, he says, remember your creator. Make space in your life to worship and know him. Let me end with a couple questions. As you, as you look at your life here, let, let me ask you, first of all, what story do you want to tell about your life? At the end of the day, when you're, when you're old like Solomon, what story do you want to tell? Second question, what decision do you need to make now to ensure that you can tell that story? Do not wait. Do not put it off. Today is the day of salvation. Let's pray. Father, we... We come to you this morning, we thank you for this passage that teaches us to number our days, to, to, to understand that we will not live forever, that there's only one life that we've been given, only one brain, only one set of arms and legs and teeth. God, help us to live our days for you. God, help us to step out of our, of our lives and somehow gain some perspective so that we could live our hours and our minutes and our days with purpose and direction, knowing what you've called us to do and living into that purpose. Uh, give us that urgency, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.